Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Know Who Drives Return. To listen to all of our podcasts, be sure to visit podcast.boardroomalpha.com and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. And now back to the episode. everyone. Uh, welcome back to Know Who Drives Return. I'm your host, David Drapkin. Uh, today, it's my pleasure to be joined by Sam Zaid. Sam's the founder and CEO of peer-to-peer car sharing company, Get Around. Get Around, as many of you may know, is in the process of entering the public markets uh, via SPAC transaction with Interprivate 2 Acquisition Corp. Uh, excited to talk to Sam about car sharing, uh, the SPAC transaction, his background, and, and and everything under this under the roof. So, Sam, first of all, thanks for, thanks for joining today. Really, really excited to talk to you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, before we get into get around specifically, you have a, an interesting background. So, how about a bit of a introduction to you, where you come from, maybe a little bit about your history. Um. Yeah. Sure. Happy to do it. Happy to, to, to chat about that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, look, I mean, my background—I've I've, you know been a technology entrepreneur for for most of my career. I had a short stint as a as a photonics engineer for a time back in back in the day, and it was great. It was great fun, but um, it's a long time ago now. Uh, I have a background in in engineering physics, and um, you know, I've been doing startups. Um, I don't I don't want to say almost twenty years, but let's say fifteen years, <laughs> something like that. Round um, up and. Uh, yeah, around about and started get around just over you know ten years ago, um, uh, and have really been working on that ever since. And, and you know, happy to talk a little bit more about about our the mission problem there, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what what led to to the founding of Get Around? What was what was the big idea? Yeah. No. I mean, um, uh, that's that's what motivates that's motivates <laughs> us every day. Um, and yeah, we started it as I mentioned just over 10 years ago, really because we have a world problem, right? At the time, we called that problem car overpopulation because simply we just have too many cars um, and we don't use them. They're used, uh, you know, 5% or less every single day. So something like 1.2 million, 1.2 billion cars globally, we waste 30 billion car hours daily. Um, and car ownership's not cheap. Um, you know, it costs about 27% of average household income for the average American household. Um, and actually, is becoming cars have become increasingly expensive. I think they're actually around eleven percent more expensive than just a year ago. Um, and of course, you know now with remote work, hybrid work, people are commuting a lot less. So then the business case for car ownership and certainly for multi-car households is under a lot more pressure. Um, and, you know, when we started getting around back and launched back in twenty eleven, um, you know, we just felt strongly that people would share cars more, and you wouldn't necessarily keep them for your reserve them for your exclusive use if um, like many things before, technology just made that easier. Um, and for, for us, what that meant was like really creating a digital, a fully digital experience where you can book a car, instantly be gone in 60 seconds. Um, and that meant developing technology, IoT technology that could go in the car so you didn't have to meet anybody to get a physical key. Your phone really becomes your car key. Um, and then really leveraging the power of the internet and data connectivity to automate and streamline, streamline that experience. So you're not doing like, you know, you return a car, a traditional car rental, and people are like logging fuel and mileage and doing all these things manually, like, you know, get rid of that, do it through technology and really streamline that experience. So you create that sort of that, that wow moment in the eyes of the customer. Um, and so that's what we set out to build. I mean, today we're, we are a digital marketplace. We developed that patented technology, which powers our marketplace. 
um, you know, we've got millions of users sharing tens of thousands of cars across, um, you know, both countries in North, uh, North America and Europe. Mm-hmm. I think I read in your, in your materials that, uh, something like cars are parked for 95% of the time of their life. Um, and so are you finding, yeah. and so the, obviously this is peer to peer. Um, and so are you finding that the, the uptake from, from user, from, from your, from your users to, to, to rent out their cars, um, you know, has been, you know, appetite for them. It's a way for them to make more money, right. For, you know, basically leasing an unused asset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most people are not using their cars that much and using them less today than probably pre pandemic. So, you know, I, I, that's 5% stat was like a, a pre pandemic stat. I don't know, if you <laughs> know what the stat is post pandemic. Um, oh, yeah. Probably use less, um, you know, but it's already so small that like, you know, you can't get much smaller than 5%. So, uh, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, if, if your car can make money for you, you can get your car for free. Um, it just takes that, you know, you're typically your second biggest expense load off, off, off the, uh, the, the expense ledger every month. And, um, you know, it just gives you that much more, you know, it just gives you more freedom as, as somebody who lives without a car, you don't need to own one. You can use someone else's. And of course, if you do own a car, it's not something that's burdening you, um, you know, every month in terms of all the expenses and costs. It's interesting that yeah, you brought up COVID. Um, obviously, you said you were founded 10 years ago, so that was even pre-COVID. But it seems as you know, where many businesses may have taken a hit you know, in the physical world, it feels like something like get around makes more sense. It was maybe COVID could have been even a little bit of a tailwind, as you mentioned, with the, the work from home and a hybrid environment with people commuting less. Have you found that to be not, not COVID as a positive, but have you found at least, <laughs> yeah. at least some positive tailwinds from the, the changing in people's behaviors, you know, post the pandemic? Yeah, no, I mean, so COVID, COVID itself, especially the early part was extremely tough because obviously it went from people moving around to not moving around. Not, but, exactly. you know, in terms of, the, in terms of, yeah, like as, the, as you're pointing out, the secular long-term trends, I mean, you know, definitely most people own cars because they were commuting five days a week. And, and so certainly there's a now a lot of people who don't feel the need to own a car or own as many cars and households can get, get away with that. Um, so that's one shift. Certainly people are more, uh, you know, we've just seen the general behavior shift in terms of how people use cars, how frequently they use cars, how long they book them for. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and of course traveling by plane has, you know, was, and continues to get more arduous. Um, and so, uh, you know, you can make it as easy if you're getting a car as easy as tapping, you know, a couple taps on an app on your phone, then, you know, that starts to become a very attractive alternative for, for obviously not for cross country trips, but for, for more local and, and nearby trips. Right. Right. So I want to get into the host a little bit. So you have, say you have a host, you know, they have one car, they rent that car out. But um, I was reading, it seems that you have these so-called power hosts, which, um, you know, maybe they have a fleet of cars, you know, 10, 15, and, and maybe run a side hustle or, or maybe it's their full-time business. Can you talk about, you know, the difference between maybe the single host versus the power host and, you know, wh- which is more, uh, you know, a bigger, you know, customer base for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So on the supply side, yeah. um, yeah, look, the majority of our, our if you if you count the number of unique hosts, um, you know, it's it's dominated by individual consumers, right? They're they're the consumer is going to share one to two cars, they're sharing part-time, offsetting cost of ownership, making some extra money. Um, and you know, the model works really well for for that use case. Um, what we've found over the past few years is then you have power hosts who are really entrepreneurs. Um and 
Now, they're a smaller cohort in terms of um, the individuals, but obviously they provide more cars, so they actually make up the majority of, of the vehicles. Um, and they're really entrepreneurs. And, you know, people tend to think of Powerhost maybe as these, like, big, you know, big corporate companies and things. <laughs> they're not. They're really they're really sole proprietors, solopreneurs, or micro-businesses, micropreneurs. So it's sort of that same um, DNA that you find on – you found – you've find in um, e-commerce, like a lot of micro brands and things like that. Um, and um, so on average, they share about 12 cars. But for us, it's, it's a really exciting segment. It's a growing segment. Um, although it's a very different segment than your traditional car rental business, um, because, you know, the digital nature of our, our tech and our product means, you know, it's more about them owning the asset and making it available and keeping it serviced than trying to run all of the, the front office, customer service, sort of like... Um, lot operations that you typically find in, in a more logistics heavy um, car rental business. Uh, a lot of that's automated away through, through the technology. Right. Do you think um, when you mentioned rising, you know, at least vehicle costs currently, do you think that is a, you know, a bit of a um, headwind for, for that business in the near term? Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't found that. Um, you certainly, if you start looking at the extremities of people who are, who are trying to buy, a lot of cars mm-hmm. that's challenging um but uh, again most of these are are, are are smaller operations they're 12 cars average so they're still very much like people who are doing this you know um you know either on the side or you know alongside other things right. and they're pretty scrappy and they can find you know you can still find deals on one two three four five cars it's just harder mm-hmm. to go like if you're um an enterprise or a avis to go buy like three hundred thousand cars and, mm-hmm. and not you know yeah, really hit with some of the uh, the supply demand uh, dynamics in the market right now. Um, but uh, you know what we find is our, our our hosts tend to be pretty scrappy, and, and a lot of them either have cars or they have friends who have cars, and so there's ways that they can get access to that supply. Right, that makes sense. And now a word from our sponsor, Boardroom Alpha. Boardroom Alpha delivers Moneyball for public company officers and directors, so you know who drives return. Evaluate the full track records for every CEO, CFO, and director with exclusive ratings, tracking of insider buy and selling, executive compensation, SPAC and M&A history, relationships, and more. Also, evaluate companies from a performance-focused governance perspective that includes board and executive team ratings, diversity, compensation analytics, board risks, and more. Institutional investors use Boardroom Alpha for idea generation and validation of longs and shorts, while everyone from executive recruiters to proxy advisors and others rely on the data to keep up to date on all people activity and easily search for top talent. Learn more at www.boardroomalpha.com. So let's talk about uh, the business model a little bit. Acid light. So you're not owning the cars, you know, you're running the tech. Um, you know, what, is, what does the business model look like? You know, how does it get around Nick money? Yeah, so we're a marketplace model. Um, so it's very much like an Airbnb. Um, so, uh, you know, we manage the payments and the booking and the payments themselves consist of the actual um, reservation price, which is what, um, you know, really costs to get the car. And that that split where we take 40% for 0% and, and then 60% goes to the actual host. We, of course, provide all of the, the customer service, the insurance, the technology around that that's our cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then on, on top of that, uh, there's, um, 
a, a small booking fee that's charged to the guests themselves. That's something that really co- covers for um, the different dynamics of a particular trip and the risk associated with it. And that's something that flows uniquely to us. Um, and so, you know, you end up with a um, net to gross profile that's somewhere between 45 to 50% um, to the company with the balance going to, um, you know, the hosts supplying the vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your technology, you mentioned that, you know, the technology is really the bread and butter of, of the get around service to get around connect. So you use your phone to unlock the door. Everything is, is seamless. How do you, you know, presumably I I'd say about a car 10 years ago, it's not, you know, connected. How do you get every car, you know, onto, onto the network, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, for us, that that's the the sort of secret sauce, so to speak, that we've been, we've been making since we started. Um, and that's really what makes Getaround unique vis-a-vis the competition is that digital experience that's really powered by that um, patented software and hardware technology, which we call our Getaround Connect um, cloud platform. Um, and uh, let me just say what that means and then how we do it, uh, how we get cars done. So what does it mean? It means like cars are fully connected. So they're, they're always communicating digitally with our cloud system. So you get a lot more real-time information about the car. You know, otherwise someone's renting your car and you're like, I don't know where it is. I don't know what they're doing with it. I know nothing. Right. And so there's a lot more real time information, which allows you to actually streamline the experience that really powers our, our what we call our God in 60 seconds experience. So you can book a car, walk up, walk up to it, open the get around app, tap a button, unlock and drive. Right. And that's, you know, meant to make it, you know, as easy as having the fob in your pocket instead of pulling out the fob, you pull out the get around app. Um, as you mentioned, we have to equip cars with our IoT technology. So that provides for remote lock, unlock. Um, you get real-time GPS location, real-time sensor data. So readouts like engine lights, fuel mileage, stuff like that, which obviously makes it a lot easier to manage uh, manage your car or a set of cars. Um, and the way we do that is, is also asset light is through a third-party network of, of installers that we um you know, we build up across the country in the markets where we operate. They do an online certification and, and virtual training, and then um, basically they become a certified installer of ours. So that that tends to be mostly, um, uh, you know, individual car electronic shops, and you know that's mo- most of what that industry is. But then we also have larger partners like Car Toys and Best Buy Geek Squad that have, you know also are, are uh, uh, the same, but obviously a bit more uh, professionalized in that regard, more scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and the, and the big thing there, obviously, is when you have this technology as the person sharing the car, you no longer have to meet, you know, the guest or the renter to give them a key. You don't have to coordinate the pickup and return of the car. You don't have to be physically there. So you can be at work. Your car can be making money for you. Um, and you can manage things remotely from your laptop or phone. Who deals with uh, like repairs and cleaning and, 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 the, and those little nuisances? Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are still, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, we automate, we're automating progressively more and more. We have not automated everything yet. So, you know, 80% of it is fine. You, you still got to clean your car and service yeah. your car, but you don't have to do it every time. And so like, you know, that stuff you can obviously schedule. Um, it is something we're working on in terms of building ecosystem partnerships so that, um, you know, we can help, you know, help identify and, and um, integrate partners that allow you to then also do this remotely because the fundamental advantage you have obviously with the technology in your car is you know where it is and you can get access to it remotely. And so, you you know, if you have someone who's you've contracted with that cleans cars, they can still do that without you having to be physically there or giving them a car key or whatever. So 
So, you know, a lot of our hosts do that themselves, but obviously we'd like to make that more streamlined and, and try to leverage, um, you know, some some volume buying power there to, 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 to make it better for them. Right, right. Um, I want to see if you could touch on, you You have some high high profile partnerships with the likes of Uber. I believe you just announced them with Kayak the other day and you have some OEMs in the pipeline. So how, how have you thought about, you know, those partnerships and, and, and what do those bring to the table? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, for, for you know, our business is really a direct-to-consumer business in that we, you know, we attract both the hosts and the guests directly. But then partner, you know, because of the technology platform, there's a lot of interesting opportunities to to work with partners and help partners deliver that same magic experience to their customers. So Uber is very interesting. You know, we have an integration where a driver can dynamically link their Uber and get around accounts. Um, they can then instantly book a car on get around from a subset of hosts who, who've enabled it to support drive with Uber. And then everything is magically synchronized. So then they see, you know, their get around trip inside their Uber driver app from there, they can start driving and earning immediately. So that's really transformative, right? You, you essentially you can become an Uber driver in a matter of minutes without owning a car, right? That's not right. normal. Yeah. Uh, and typically, if you want to rent a car some other way, it's a much more manual and lengthy process. Um, uh, just getting the car and getting certified and all that stuff with Uber. So that that's really interesting. Um, um, we uh, you know we've seen a lot of growth in that this year, so we're, we're excited for next year. Um, and uh, Kayak's new. Um, it, it's actually part of our, our push to expand our value proposition outside of urban dwellers into the hands of travelers or people who can use get around at a destination. Um, and um, it's something we've actually had uh, live in Europe uh, for some time. And more recently now, we just announced it in the US and we've been rolling out more and more inventory in cities. And we're happy with the progress there. The OEMs are important partners. I think you mentioned those also. Um, you know, we've been working with many of them uh, for a number of years now. Uh, there's actually a whole myriad of ways we can collaborate, but really the current focus is getting natively integrated right. into the new wave of connected cars and EVs. So like just when you buy a television, you know, it comes with a Netflix app, you get a car, it's get around ready, you're already integrated to get around apps. You don't need any additional technology, hardware or anything in your car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that would make it certainly more seamless. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that, that is our goal, make it increasingly more and more seamless so that, you know, this is something you can rely on, that, you know, it's going to work, um, in an easy way and, and provide you an alternative to, to car ownership and, and, and car rental. Right. Uh, so get around as a, as a, as a company entering, entering the capital market. So obviously you said 10 years old, you know, why, why today, what, what, what brings, what, what what is the impetus for 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 wanting to go public today? You know, no secret that right now, you know, not only IPOs but obviously stock market's a little challenged. Um, you know, so what what's the decision making behind you know going public in twenty twenty two? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, why why not be you know counter trend? Um, <laughs> the no, no, it's not that. To be honest. <laughs> No, 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 I get you. I mean, it's it's a tough time in the markets without a doubt. Um, equity markets are clearly challenged right now. But, you know, the first thing is we're not really playing for right now, right? You know, we yeah. feel this transaction is, is more about giving us what we need to just focus on executing on our plans. Um, to be honest, we've been operating and preparing to go public for, uh, I don't even know, probably over 18 months at this point. And so earlier this year, we saw a great opportunity to partner with the private team um, to really go public. 
which we just felt gives us a unique opportunity, especially in a, in a challenging market, um, to just double down on a number of growth and strategic opportunities, some of which we just talked about, you know, that we have right in front of us. And I'd say that unlike, you know, probably cohort of more recent SPAC deals, you know, we have $175 million of committed capital that comes with the closing of the transaction. So when we looked at it holistically, it, you know, for us, it was about how do we continue to execute on our plans? What are the, what's the mechanism to do that? We've been preparing to be public. This just felt like, you know, it satisfied all of our criteria, albeit uh, agree, you know, agree. It's obviously a challenging time in, in mm-hmm. just equity and capital markets in general. I think it's a it's a, a important point to highlight that 175 million of capital because as a ad, adamant followers of the SPAC market on our side, um, you know, as you mentioned, many of the the companies going public today, no committed capital, um, you know, the advertised the trust, but that goes away. Um, so it's really just like a capital markets tra- transaction. So you know, thanks thanks for bringing that up. Any specific use of proceeds uh, for that for that capital that you're going to be adding? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the use of funds is broadly just what we've talked about. So it's investments in growth and innovation. So really predominantly for us, it's about growing. How are we growing? We're growing by really not so much by adding tons of new geographies or markets. It's it's really more about densifying the the markets we're in. That's like 80% of it, you know, giving, getting more cars, more choices for the consumer, um, building that liquidity in the marketplace. And then, um, and then really about the innovation side, um, you know, there's also growth that comes from that, from, from the continued product innovation, which is something we're really excited about because this is, you know, this is still very much an early space. It's, it's very greenfield. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on top of the technology we've already built, there are just a number of ways to really um, leverage that in terms of just building an increasingly friction-free user experience or new ways to monetize, um, you know, the customer or the data. Um, so we're just, you know, we just feel like really um, that that's, that's just a huge opportunity area. Um, at the end of the day, it's just providing consumers with more and more options so they can instantly rent, unlock and drive by to get right up. And, and you mentioned Europe, so you're already uh, international. What, what geography, how many, how many air, how many countries are, are, are you in or, or is there a geography stat you can give us? <laughs> yeah, we're in, uh, we're uh, seven countries in Europe. Um, so, uh, you know, and the, the ones you'd expect, um, right. sort of like central Western Europe, um, France, UK, Spain, um, Germany, Netherlands, uh, Norway, et cetera. Cool. Um, and so you did mention early day, at least in the, in this arena, it's the early days, um, doesn't seem to be a ton of, you know, direct competition. Uh, you have Turo, Zipcar that are sort of in the, in the realm and then your, your traditional rent-a-car, uh, companies. How do you think about, uh, you know, the competition in, in, in the space? Um, yeah, look, I think there's increasingly more attention paid to this space because, you know, so it's naturally becoming more, um, a little bit more competitive over time. I think that's just validating the space overall, um, which I mentioned, yeah, it's like, it's still nascent. It's sort of like internet 20 years ago. People are now just waking up to it. Um, and um, I think there's two things that differentiate us. One, you know, being an asset light marketplace really differentiates us from the more traditional models um, and zip cars because we don't own the asset. Um, and because we don't own the asset, then the cars themselves are much more distributed given the nature of our marketplace. So it means we offer like more choice of cars, more variety, more locations where you can get a car. Um, and so that, you know, the asset light model really provides that value to the consumer. 
Um, our, as we've talked about, our really unique differentiator is the technology, which then powers our digital experience. Um, so like summarizing that up, it's really like as a consumer, you can book, unlock and drive. You do that from the get around app. Um, so you can just book a car you want in 60 seconds, walk to it, unlock from your phone, drive. Um, so it's pretty straightforward. Um, you don't have to wait like most marketplaces for the host to approve your booking. Um, there's no need to meet people in person to get a key. Uh, you're not filling out paperwork or waiting at a rental counter like you would in a more traditional car rental model. So um, that that's really the, the the core differentiator with get around versus um, you know all the competition on on the demand side. And then for a host supplying a car, um, the main benefit is you, you you know you can operate remotely. You don't have to be physically with your car or near it to to rent it out. I mean, you don't have to be available. You can rent your car in the middle of the night while you're sleeping, right? And so your car makes more money for you when you're you're away. Um, for example, when you're at work, um, and then the technology really takes a lot of those manual steps um, out of the experience, including having to meet people and arrange pickups and returns. So the net of it is, as a host, you, you earn more with less effort, and you don't have to invest in staff or front office ops. So you won't have that Seinfeld episode where they take the reservation, but you can't hold the reservation. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The take and hold is the same collapse into one instant thing <laughs> and digital thing. Uh, cool. To, to wrap up, I noticed um, uh, you tie yourselves as an ESG, ESG-friendly company. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how and, and what, what you're bringing to, on the ESG side of the world? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It is something that's been our, you know, our mission for a long time before ESG was a buzzword. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh you know, so first we've pledged to have only EVs on the marketplace by 2040, and then beginning 2030, we'll stop accepting ICE cars. So, so that was that's their first like objective we've gone public with, um, which we happen to beat California to the punch on that one too. So we're right. we're, we're proud of ourselves there. <laughs> um, and um, and then we're also working on a number of things really to make it easier for people to purchase and finance EVs to share on Get Around. Um, obviously, our objective is to have more people driving with you know like tailpipe emission free. Um, and then the other part that people don't always get about car sharing, and it's sort of the fascinating part when you look at the data, is that households that actually moved to becoming car-free actually reduced their overall driving and consequently, obviously, their, their carbon footprint. Um, that number is about 34 to 41% when you look at the data. It's studied by the Sustainability and Transportation Center at, at UC Berkeley. That's ultimately moving households from ownership to sharing. The more we can do that and continue to do that, it means overall less driving, less congestion, lower emissions. Um, so our goal as a company beyond just EVs in terms of hitting the ESG um, impact is really just moving more people to live car-free or car-like and uh, shifting people away from ownership to access. That just has such a massive environmental impact and benefit. Right. Um, Roughly, I'll go on. I'll break. You know, we we modeled this a number of ways using the data from all these research papers, but it roughly means like a million cars shared on Get Around eliminates about 100 billion pounds of carbon each year. So wow. that's uh, you know, we we we're we're not quite a million cars yet, but we're uh, we're working on it. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's good to hear. Uh, it's funny because I forget since I moved to the city, I forget I've forgotten about uh, you know car ownership. So um, it's uh, it's been fun to to learn about Get Around. Very interesting. Looking forward to you know you know following the story and you know good luck on the deal in the near future and we'll be following and thanks thanks again for taking the time today I really appreciate it Sam. 
Yeah, thank you, Dave. It was great. Uh, good questions. Enjoyed the chat, and uh, yeah, look forward to to. And I don't feel forward to listening to myself, but hearing this anyway when it comes out. <laughs> oh, last question I have to ask. I know it's uh, probably at the mercy of the SEC, but any uh, any sense of timing? I know S fours are on file. Any sense of timing when we think uh, the transaction may close? Yeah, I mean, not, nothing. I mean, we're, let, let me just say we're working hard at it, but your guess is probably as good as mine. Awesome. Love it. All right. Thanks again, Sam. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye now. Thank you.